The following sermon was recorded at Chiang Mai Christian Fellowship in Chiang Mai, Thailand. For more information, please view our website at www.ccfth.org. Good morning, everybody. Um, it's good to be here. Um, Pastor Tim asked me uh, a month or so ago if I w- would be willing to speak after my friend Scott said, I may be willing, so here I am. <laughs> and Pastor Tim also said that um, if, if I would like, I could go with him maybe sometime to the northeast and maybe give a hand, and maybe I should be there right now. Who knows? Um, as uh, last, last evening, we had a dear friend from Ang Tong visit our home, a Thai lady, um, about, about our age, 40-odd years. And uh, she is not a Christian, and she has been our friend for quite a while. Uh, she had to make a quick trip up to Chiang Mai from Ang Tong, which is in central, central Thailand, to um, get some important papers from a friend's home here. And then she came and visited us. And I just heard a phone going off, so I better turn mine off too. So um, we we had a cup of tea together, and uh, spent like maybe half an hour. That's about all the time that we had to spend together. And uh, she knows of our faith in Jesus Christ. Um, we have, on many occasions, uh, talked to her about about Jesus and about uh, his wondrous work on the cross, but she is not yet to believe. But she is um, quite willing to chat about these things with us. And in the midst of our cup of tea together, uh, she had another lady with her. She said, um, preach to her about Jesus. So um, I tried. My, my tie is reasonable, so um, I started talking a little bit about Abraham. And then they started chatting to each other. Um, I hope this morning that you don't all start chatting to one another. <laughs> but in the midst of that, um, we were able to uh, share a few things about Jesus. And our hope and our prayer is that these seeds that we continue to plant into their lives uh, will bear fruit to salvation um, in her life. Um, as, as Scott mentioned, we have been in Thailand since '93, about 17 years, and uh, most of our time has been in central Thailand, uh, church planting work. Right now we are at Mountain View, caring for 12 wonderful children. And, and while we're there, I really enjoy the opportunity to... Um, to share Bible study with five of our Thai staff. That's two dorms together, so we get five staff together. And coincidentally, we have been working through the story of Abraham. And it's two of them are Christians and three are not Christians. And it's quite exciting um, telling the story of Abraham to them for the first time. Uh, they haven't heard it before, and so... Um, for example, 
this is going to be said in a few weeks from Pastor Tim, I guess, about Isaac being offered on the altar. Halfway through the story, I say, now what do you think happened when Abraham had his knife up? And their uh, answer was, well, God raised him from the dead. And that's quite, quite a good answer because that's the sort of thing that Abraham was expecting. So even though the, these stories are familiar to me, uh, to them they are not. And in my preparation, I try prayerfully to uh, prepare well as I present these stories again. Stories that I have heard since my youth many, many times. Um, in my quiet times at the moment, I'm reading through uh, Job. And Job is a very good book. You should read it sometime. And Job, one of, one of the main themes in Job is to be careful when we speak. When Job's friends opened their mouths, they mainly talked a lot of rubbish. In bet- mixed in all that was some truths, but there was lots of uh, falsehoods as well, because they didn't understand. Uh, Job at one stage uh, says to them, Will you speak wickedly on God's behalf? Will you speak deceitfully for him? Now I'm sure none of us, when we are presenting the gospel to um, our friends, would want to speak falsehoods. So that means we need to uh, carefully um, prepare. And then at the end of the uh, discourse, God speaks in Job, and he says, In Job 38 verse 2, Who is this that obscures my plans with words without knowledge? And then uh, Paul writes in 2 Timothy chapter 2 verse 15, Do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a worker who does not need to be ashamed and who correctly handles the word of truth. So now that you're all scared to um, open the Bible and, you know, we, we shouldn't get to that point, but we should carefully um, do, do our homework as, as we reach out to people with the gospel. Let's read. Uh, the, the passage is actually Genesis chapter, one, uh, chapter 18, verses 1 to 15. We have skipped over chapter 17, and I guess Pastor Tim will come back to that shortly. Genesis chapter 18, verses 1 to 15. The Lord appeared to Abraham near the great trees of Mamre, while he was sitting at the entrance to his tent in the heat of the day. Abraham looked up and saw three men standing nearby. When he saw them, he hurried from the entrance of his tent to meet them and bowed low to the ground. He said, If I have found favor in your eyes, my Lord, do not pass your servant by. Let a little water be brought, and then you may all wash your feet and rest under this tree. Let me get you something to eat so you can be refreshed and then go on your way, now that you have come to your servant. Very well, they answered, do as you say. So Abraham hurried into the tent to Sarah. Quick, he said, 
Get three sears of the finest flour and knead it and bake some bread. Then he ran to the herd and selected a choice tender calf and gave it to a servant who hurried to prepare it. He then brought some curds and milk and the calf that had been prepared and set these before them. While they ate, he stood near them under a tree. Where is your wife Sarah? they asked. There, in the tent, he said. Then one of them said, I will surely return to you about this time next year, and Sarah, your wife, will have a son. Now Sarah was listening at the entrance to the tent, which was behind him. Abraham and Sarah were already very old, and Sarah was past the age of childbearing. So Sarah laughed to herself as she thought, After I am worn out and my Lord is old, will I now have this pleasure? Then the Lord said to Abraham, Why did Sarah laugh and say, Will I really have a child now that I am old? Is anything too hard for the Lord? I will return to you at the appointed time next year, and Sarah will have a son. Sarah was afraid, so she lied and said, I did not laugh. But he said, Yes, you did laugh. Let's pray as we ask the Lord to um, speak to us this morning. Father God, thank you for your wondrous word. Thank you for the wonderful history in there of uh, you yourself coming down to work with man to, to save man. And Lord, we pray this morning that through your Holy Spirit you would speak something to each one of us. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. So as uh, most, most people believe, Moses wrote this. And Moses uh, starts off in uh, verse 1 saying, The Lord appeared to Abraham. And Moses here uses, uh, in that little introduction, uses the name of the Lord Yahweh. And Yahweh which is um, more intimate, if you like. But this is not the name that Abraham knew. Abraham knew the Lord as God Almighty. El Elyon or El Shaddai. This was the name that Abraham knew God as. And um, Exodus chapter 6 verse 3 says, the Lord speaking to Moses says this, I appeared to Abraham, to Isaac and to Jacob as God Almighty. But by my name the Lord... I did not make myself fully known to them. So in this, this story we have Abraham sitting in the entrance of his tent. Abraham is now 99 years old. So he would not be um, about looking after sheep and running around after cattle. He would have his servants doing that. But as was his custom, uh, he would wait in the entrance of his tent now the question uh, may be asked, was he expecting this visit from the Lord? And the same uh, question could be asked of us too. Are we expecting the Lord to speak to us? 
Or when was the last time that the Lord did speak to us in, in a real way? Now, I don't know if Abraham was specifically waiting for the Lord at this time, because in a, in a, when these guests arrived, he started hurrying to do things. That sort of shows not quite being prepared. But this is in Abraham's 99th year. Um, he has just been circumcised. In chapter 17, it's all about um, Abraham being circumcised. Uh, the covenant of this important covenant for um, all Jews. It is 13 years after Ishmael was born. And in this particular visit of the Lord, we see that it's quite intimate because the Lord actually appears in, um, in human form. Abraham did not necessarily recognize him as God Almighty. Um, Abraham's response is he called him the Lord, which is Adonai, which uh, could be any, he could use for any important guest. He could use that term. So, um, uh, in this passage, most commentators say that this is the Lord Jesus Christ himself. And if you actually read on, you'll find that out of these three visitors, one leaves and then two go on to Sodom and Gomorrah. So it's, it's possible that the Lord himself um, looked over what was happening and then the two angels uh, went on to Sodom. The point in this story um, is how is or how has the Lord visited us or spoken to us about ministry? With Abraham's call, when the Lord called Abraham, there also came a promise. The Lord called Abraham and then he gave him a promise. That promise did not come immediately. God said that he would do it, but it was not immediate. Uh, the Lord Jesus in the New Testament has promised that he will build his church in Thailand. I wonder if we believe that. In, in your ministry context, do you ever wonder if you are in the Lord's will or not? Do you ever question that? Do you really cry out to the Lord to show you the way? Then what happens? Does anything happen? In 1987, I was, how old was I? 21. I was working in, in a milk factory, making milk powder, minding my own business pretty much, getting a wage every week and then wasting it on whatever. I used to buy rifles, um, guns, but I don't have them anymore, so don't worry. Um, I, I could say I live uh, a godly, upright life, but I was not expecting the Lord to call me to anything. In 1987, at Easter time, I attended a Christian conference. Um, I, I had, to, had a long weekend off, so I was able to attend and stay at the campsite. And one particular Friday night, being missionary night, I was sitting in my seat, listening, and 
the Lord placed his hand on my life. I'm quite a shy sort of person. I'm introverted, not too, too bad. But um, I'm not the sort of person who would jump up and go down the front at every altar call. Okay? So on this particular night, I don't remember what the sermon was about. Um, the Lord said to me, that is you. I'm calling you. And it was fairly warm. It wasn't freezing cold or anything like that. And I started to shake all over. And that was... I, I wandered down the front and then a few people prayed with me. And that was the start of my uh, call to mission. I didn't know what would happen after that. But that didn't matter. God knew what would happen after that. And eventually I got married and arrived in Thailand. Um, a little over a year ago, a year and a half ago, I got another call. I was in central Thailand uh, doing church work in Supanbury with my wife and, and uh, some Thai folk and a Kiwi family. And another call came. Uh, this was a call to come to be dorm parent. Um, in Chiang Mai. Now there were a few circumstances around that call, but um, I had precise, my wife and I had just one week to make up our mind once leadership asked us to consider it. And so what did we do? We started to pray. We kept, re we were praying already, but we started to pray a lot more. And we started to uh, read God's word more and we started to we, we sought advice from people as well to see if the Lord would say come to Chiang Mai or stay where you are um, when I was in OC in 93 in Singapore uh, orientation course for OMF uh, a dear old missionary there uh, Jim Morris he said something that, that, that stuck, stuck with us. And he, he said, You have been called to this ministry. And until you receive another call, you must stay in this ministry. Often in our, in our lives, we, we are called to a work, and then it starts to get really hard. And then we might start to wonder, should, Is this where the Lord wants us? But until the Lord calls you to something else, that is where the Lord wants you. And so at this time, uh, a year and a half ago, those words were still with me, so we did not jump at the opportunity to come to Chiang Mai. Our son and our daughter are part of the dorm, so sure, there, there, there was that pull as well. But no, um, we prayed lots about it. Then one particular Sunday at OMF conference, the Lord confirmed to me that we could come to Chiang Mai. Uh, Psalm, I was reading through Psalms at that time and Psalm 40 verse 5 says this Many, Lord my God, are the wonders you have done the things you planned for us none can compare with you were I to speak and tell of your deeds they would be too many to declare and so God's plan is just way above our thinking and our understanding. 
And so for me, that confirmed that we, we had this plan happening in the place where we were, but God was saying, well, I have a bigger plan. And, and, and to me, that confirmed that I could be free to go. But that same morning, uh, three of the songs also uh, spoke to me. And then the, the speaker himself um, also spoke. So there were three things. I'm not saying this needs to happen this way for all of you, but that was um, how the Lord called us to Chiang Mai. In this instance with Abraham, it's all initiated by the Lord. The Lord appeared. Abraham's just sitting in his tent. And I think in all the other instances it would be the same. It's all on the Lord's um, initiation. The important thing is the response after that. Now for us, uh, there's quite a few youth here who are going off to university and, and things like that soon. Do we have all we need to know the Lord's, Lord's call on our life? How are we going to make up our mind about these things? We do have all we need. Hebrews chapter 1 verse 2 says, But in these last days he has spoken to us by his Son, whom he appointed heir of all things, and through whom also he made the universe. So the closer that we stick to Jesus Christ, the closer and the more we know God's will, because Christ speaks to us. 2 Timothy 3.16 So first we have the Son, then we have God's Word. All Scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting and training in righteousness. So there's two things. We have Jesus, we have God's Word. And then John 16.13 says... But when he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears. And he will tell you what is yet to come. So we have the Holy Spirit with us. So when we are walking with the Lord, close to him in his word and prayer, we will know what the Lord's will is. And there may, there may be certain times where we need to really seek the Lord a lot more. But this should be our walk day by day. So here in this passage we have these, these three heavenly guests arrive. And then Abraham decides to go to the kitchen. Uh, about a week ago, my wife was in the kitchen cooking uh, a lovely chocolate cake for somebody's birthday. And then, then I wandered into the kitchen, okay? And she was just about to turn the cake out. Uh, my wife is a very good cook, and I, after we ate this cake, it was delicious. But sometimes she sort of thinks like I'm a bit of a jinx if I turn up while she's doing something important, right? So as she's turning out the cake, turn it over onto the tray, it sort of gets a bit stuck. She had put grease, grease paper on the bottom and all that, but it just wouldn't come out. So it came out in three pieces. Um, I don't know why that was my fault, but... Um, <laughs> anyway. 
Um, it was it was quite gooey and able to be stuck together. It was a delicious, rich chocolate cake, so it didn't really matter. But in, in this instance, we have Abraham running to Sarah and telling her to get three sears of flour. And then he's running to his servant and saying, uh, go and kill a calf. And then he's he's just running around. I don't know how fast he, he, he ran when he was 99 years old, but uh, the passage does say that he, he hurried to do all these things. And, and maybe this is uh, Middle Eastern hospitality. Um, Abraham was not sitting down playing computer or watching a movie or anything like that. What these people really appreciated was guests coming to their home and they would, um, would entertain their guests as well as they could. Um, so we see Abraham doing this. But I think the fact that Abraham... Uh, is telling Sarah what to do is letting her know how important these guests were because like three seers of flour is like as far as I understand 22 liters that that is a feast so Abraham was preparing a feast for these important guests um, and, and then there's the, the calf and, and he cares for them by washing their feet in the hot climates, in the desert. Um, he really took care of these guests. But I think in this instance, he was showing that they were way more important than normal guests. I think Sarah knows how to treat the normal guests and would maybe one seer of flour and uh, leftover meat or whatever. Who knows? But Abraham is showing um, hospitality to these guests. Um, as, as I mentioned before, he, he didn't necessarily recognize them as the God Almighty himself come down, but he did recognize their importance. And so he's not being a busybody uh, with, with Sarah and telling her how to cook. I think she knows how to cook by the time she's 80 years old. Um, and she probably didn't cook it anyway. She got the servants to do it. But anyway, um, Abraham receives these guests. Um, the scriptures... Um, talk about hospitality. They ask Christians to, to show hospitality. Um, in, in Hebrews it talks about some people have entertained angels unawares. And that, that could be talking of this story too, specifically. Abraham entertained angels even though he didn't recognize them as such. He just thought they were important guests. I wonder how happy, how humorous Abraham's household was. Remember, Abraham means exalted father. Big, big, big daddy. Well, he only has one son at this time. And it's not the son of promise. It's not a son by his wife, Sarah. But in chapter 17, God has gone and changed Abraham's name, Abraham's name to Abraham, right? And Abraham means father of multitudes. And Sarai's name was changed to Sarah, which as far as I understand means princess. Both, both names mean princess. And not just that, 
God has told Abraham to call your son Isaac, which means laughter. So every time Sarah used Abraham's new name, maybe she didn't dare because it hurt her heart so much. Because he's not a father of multitudes yet. He's got one son by the slave lady. So maybe she just used the term Adonai, called him Lord, and didn't use his God-given name. I don't know. <clears throat> um, elsewhere in the Bible, in Peter, I think it says that Sarah called Abraham Lord, which showed her faith. But maybe she didn't want to call him Abraham either because it hurt so much. Pen-pen. Uh, ah, sorry. Um, we have Abraham here. He's got this feast ready. That's an experiment, right? He's got this feast ready, and Abraham's outside the tent in the shade of the tree, and Sarah's inside. And the Lord says, Where's your wife? Where's your wife, Sarah? So what does Sarah do? She, she hears her name. So she starts listening, right? You weren't listening before. <laughs> yeah, she was listening. Sarah hears her name mentioned, so her ears prick up and she's going to listen. I think that's the reason that the Lord says this. Where's your wife? Oh, she's in the tent. This call to Abraham was a call to Sarah as well, as his wife. It's a mutual call affecting both husband and wife. This is 13 years after Ishmael's birth. Uh, some com commentators may suggest that God made them wait twice as long after Ishmael was born. So it's like 10 or so years when Ishmael comes along, then it's another 13 years before the son of promise. Maybe God's plan all along was 25 years, maybe it was half that, who knows. But they had to wait a long time. And so when, when the Lord gets Sarah's attention, what does, he, what does he do? He says, I will surely return to you about this time next year, and Sarah, your wife, will have a son. Reason for more laughter. In Genesis chapter 17, verse 17, did you know Abraham laughed first? Most people talk about Sarah laughing, but they forget that Abraham also laughed. Genesis 17, 17 says, Abraham fell face down. He laughed and said to himself, Will a son be born to a man a hundred years old? Will Sarah bear a child at the age of ninety? The language in both chapter 17 and chapter 18 is the same about laughter and, and stuff like that. Some commentators say... Abraham's laughter was a righteous laughter and Sarah's was a sinful laughter. Um, I don't know where they get that. I, uh, you can make up your own mind. but uh, I think both their laughter was the same. And it wasn't really... The laughter itself was, was painful, but they still... To think about having a child was a joyful thought. Uh, the passage says that. 
that, that was Sarah's one, one desire was, was to have a son, but she was past it. She was, she was uh, basically dead. Well, basically. We, we, we have friends in, in central Thailand. Uh, I would like to read you something uh, they wrote about a promise given to them about a dead place. It, it goes like this. When we started ministry in Singburi province 15 years ago, there was only one church in the whole province. At that point, the Lord encouraged us through Isaiah 55 verse 13, which says, Instead of the thorn bush will grow the pine tree, and instead of briars, the myrtle will grow. Thorns and briars portray barrenness, a picture of what life is like without God. A piece of land that is barren is often overgrown with thorns. When we started church planting work in the district town of Inbury, which means a town of the demon god Prain, in Singbury, a province full of many temples, we claimed this promise, asking God to plant the gospel seed in spiritually barren hearts in this town so that we might see new life sprouting up. The Lord has been faithful to his promise to us. Today, Inbury is a vibrant congregation actively reaching out to the surrounding villages. Last year, the church started an outreach centre in Tong En with a view to planting a daughter church in that area. So in 15 years, um, there's at least three more churches, but there are quite a few smaller groups as well, which um, you could call churches as well, because they were given a promise, and, and they believed it and, um, and claimed that promise. What about us? Do we believe in God's promises? God has promised to build his church. When, when the Lord called us to ministry, he promised to be with us. And he doesn't call us to a ministry um, except that he wants to see something happen. And it might not always be visible, but we need to believe with the ministry that the Lord has called us to, the Lord is right there with us. I wonder as, as we get older and more experienced, on the mission field or in, in ministry or whatever our service, uh, do we become cynical and dull? Or are we growing in anticipation and excitement and still expecting great things from God? If I could have the next slide. Right now in this story, God's promise is closer than ever before. Abraham and Sarah are older than ever before and deader than ever before. 
But as you see at this simple graph, <coughs> the older they got, the closer they were to the promise of Isaac. Right? Pretty simple. They didn't know that till Isaac actually arrived, right? Till Sarah was pregnant. And so, um, in, in our lives, in our ministry, we, we need to have an excited, uh, expectant hope, always, um, in the ministry the Lord has called us to. Now, for folk serving in different areas, that looks completely different, what they're expecting. Uh, decades ago in, in Thailand, uh, missionaries were waiting for their first convert. And it took a long time. It took five years, ten years, twenty years. These days, we're looking for more than that. Well, that's good. Thailand, the church is growing in Thailand, but we still need to expect um, a lot more. This is the seventh time the promise is repeated to Abraham. So some of the promises come quite close together in, in a period of time, but some are 13, 20 years apart. It is 25 years since the promise was first given to Abraham that he was going to be a great nation. So either the promise to do with being a great nation or to have a son. <clears throat> this um, at least seven times. Uh, someone else in, in the Bible who was a golden oldie was, was Zechariah, who had the responsibility at the temple. And while he was in the temple, an angel visited him and said, What? You will have a son, or Elizabeth will have a son. He didn't laugh, but he as good as laughed, right? He said, How will this be? Then the angel said, well, you're not going to talk for so long and that'll teach you not to believe. Romans chapter 4, verses 18 to 25 says this. Against all hope, Abraham, in hope, believed and so became the father of many nations. Just as it had been said to him, so shall your offspring be. Without weakening in his faith, he faced the fact that his body was as good as dead. Told you. <laughs> Since he was about a hundred years old, and that Sarah's womb was also dead. Yet he did not waver through unbelief regarding the promise of God, but was strengthened in his faith and gave glory to God. Being fully persuaded that God had power to do what he had promised. This is why it was credited to him as righteousness. The words it was credited to him were written not for him alone, but also for us to whom God will credit righteousness. For us who believe in him, who raised Jesus our Lord from the dead, he was delivered over to death for our sins and was raised to life for our justification. 
So Abraham, Sarah, good as dead. I've, I've titled this part Golden Oldies. Um, I don't know if you consider yourself a golden oldie or not. So anyone in here over 40, 50, 60? <laughs> There's life. There's life and, and God wants to use our lives for even greater things than he has before. Uh, we, often we have people who enter retirement or early retirement um, come to the mission field or, or maybe teach at Grace School or something like that. And that's great. That is not becoming dead wood. That is using our lives as, as living uh, vessels for Jesus Christ. Colossians 2 verse 13. When you were dead in your sins and in the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made you alive with Christ. He forgave us all our sins. As uncircumcision talks back to when before Abraham became uh, entered into a promise with, with, a, with a symbol, with the symbol of circumcision, we too, when we believed in Christ, were made alive and can bear fruit. If today, are you feeling tired in your ministry? You can feel tired at any time. You might be in your last year of high school or whatever, and you might be feeling tired. Our strength comes from God's promises, from what God has promised us. He has promised to be with us. He has a purpose for our lives. He has not finished the work he has started in our lives. Abraham's faith in God's promise was credited to him as righteousness. When I was sharing this with our Thai staff, this was a very important point. For a person who believes they need to make, earn their salvation by merit or by hard works. Because Abraham, he didn't do that. All he had to do was have faith in God's promise. And for us, believing in Jesus Christ... Gives, uh, God gives us righteousness. God makes us um, righteous in his sight. God makes us clean. And um, when I was sharing this uh, with our Thai staff, I really tried to emphasize what happened with, in Abraham's life, um, how he was seen as righteous. Not through any work. At this stage, Abraham and Sarah are totally helpless to bear a son. It is totally going to be God's work in their life. We need to be, for our ministry to be effective, we also need to come to that point where we know that we are helpless without the life of Christ in us. And the Lord's res response to Abraham and Sarah is, is anything impossible for God? That's a rhetorical question, but that answer is no nothing is impossible is anything too hard for the Lord and we, we see that also in after the rich young ruler um, comes to Jesus and Jesus says it's hard for rich to enter 
the kingdom of heaven. But it's not impossible. It is not impossible for our neighbor who doesn't know the Lord with God's power. It is not, not impossible for our friend who visited last night. But it's got to be God's power. It is not impossible for one of our relatives who has a hard heart. God can do it. And so there's plenty in this, this story which, is, which usually has the title, Sarah Laughed. But the Lord wasn't too hard on Sarah. He was a bit harder on Zechariah who knew these stories already. And we know these stories. But the Lord's not going to be too hard on us. But let's believe. Let, let's, as we get older, may our faith keep growing and may we be filled with the Lord's energy. Um, I would like, just for a couple of minutes, just turn to your neighbours and maybe uh, pray with one another. We have to do this fairly quickly, but whatever, I'll leave it up to our uh, musicians when they come up here. Maybe turn around and talk to someone about the Lord speaking to you, or maybe you're waiting and you want the Lord to speak to you in some way. You can pray for one another. Um... Maybe there's something else, what I said this morning, that you want to share and, and be prayed for about. Maybe you're feeling tired and you need a bit more energy in your ministry. Abraham and Sarah were old, dead, basically. But Lord gave them Isaac and through Isaac, the Lord Jesus Christ. So let's just take a few moments, chat for a couple of minutes and then I'll hand back. You've been listening to a sermon recorded at Chiang Mai Christian Fellowship in Chiang Mai, Thailand. For more information, please view our website at www.ccfth.org.